You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. What's up, pimps and pimpettes? It's episode 173 of the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast. This is the place you go to get the news you need to know. I don't know what that means exactly. I don't really cover news. I thought I'd try a new tagline, but it's just stupid. It's just, it's just stupid. I'm, I'm stupid. <sighs> Never mind, guys. The show's canceled. No, I'm just kidding. GameMat.eu is sponsoring this show, as they do every show. And you know what? We are very appreciative of them. And you know who else we're appreciative of? The Patreon patrons. That's right. Lots of dead space in this episode, folks. Just get used to it. Yeah, the Patreon patrons, they support the show and uh, help us pay all of our bills. And I so grateful thank you to the appreciate of it. Truly. What are we talking about? Well, tonight we are covering the um, Battle Force boxes. And what are they good for? Absolutely nothing Edwin Starr would tell you. Also, we are discussing... You know, how do you hmm, get better at this game without actually getting better at it? <laughs> You'll just have to listen to figure it out, but it is actually helpful. And we also have a voicemail, believe it or not, and he is asking why we don't allow Forge World at Shorehammer, which is probably something I've covered in the past, but guess what? Buckle up, cowboy. We're doing it again. So, what have I been up to? Um... I don't know. What have I been up to? Well, I've got a tournament coming up in the beginning of February, and I said to myself, Pimpcron, you're actually going to try this time. I've I've been to a couple dozen tournaments in my life, and every time I just throw together a list, and then I don't ever think of that list ever again, and then it comes tournament time, and I have to like open up the email with the list in it to read what I should take out of my army transport. And then I just rely solely on tactics, but not this time. I've been speaking to Leroy Jenkins, the most recent champion of the Highlander 40k at Shorehammer. And I was like, you know what? I'm actually, he actually inspired me to really try the tournament. So what did I do? I picked the worst ranked armies for tournaments via tournament rankings, and that's the Necrons. Because I like shooting myself in the foot, but really it's because it's the OG army for me. It's my original army, and I just feel like representing my original army. So I'm hoping to play some good games of Warhammer, and uh, you know I have no dreams of winning this, but I'm hoping to actually take it serious. I've been practicing my list. I've played two games against my list, uh, or I mean with my list, and um, I'm going to get these numbers wrong, but... I won against my friend Trevor this week, and it was 80-something to 40-something. I, I won very soundly against him. And now he wasn't necessarily bringing a tournament list, but he always brings some pretty competitive stuff. So that's, that's kind of, you know, it's kind of iffy. But I did, and that doesn't include the painting thing. I would have got 10 more points for painting. I think I would have ended up at 94 points. So that's pretty good. Um, then I played against James's Death Guard and realized what it's really like to play in a tough battle because we ground each other into the ground. He ended up getting, uh, I think it was 44 to 24, I think is what it was. And he won, of course. 
But I really shot myself in the foot there, too, because my list is very mm, swarmy when it comes to Necrons, believe it or not. And it's about taking objectives in the four corners and the covering the area and, you know, having multiple, multiple targets to feed on people's poor target, target priority abilities, which is what I find all the time on people. Now, this is a very fun list to play. I'm not going to go over all the ins and outs of it, but it is very fun. The problem is, is that just James and I set up the train for this and then we rolled for the mission and the mission we had the torn the terrain set up basically um if you think of a big plus in the middle of the board but the plus is the open space and the terrain is in those four quarters around it well it just so happens that all of our objectives landed because of the mission landed directly in all of those four open spaces and i i did last until the end of the game I didn't get tabled, I almost did, but I didn't get tabled, but I just could not, I kept taking objectives, I'd kill him off an objective and take it, but then I didn't have the staying power to not be wiped off it by my next command phase, which is the problem. So, um, I know now, an important lesson, that A, I intentionally was not using a whole lot of terrain, because I know a lot of tournaments don't use a lot of terrain, so I'm trying to, you know, get used to that. But I think I went a little too late on the train, or we should have picked another mission that didn't have the objectives in the very worst place they possibly could be for my army. That that would be the two things to fix. Um, so, but if I am in a situation like that at the tournament, I've learned that I have to double up or triple up on all the objectives to make sure I keep them. Because, you know, he can kill one squad or maybe two squads, but he probably can't kill three squads without some serious focus fire. And if he's focusing on them, then he's not shooting at other stuff. So that is something I learned from that game. What else have I been up to? Well, I've been writing short stories again for the Brutality Short Story Anthology. I wrote two more, and I'm at roughly 70 pages of a novel, basically. Um, so I've got a lot more short stories to write, but I truly enjoy writing the short stories. And they're, I'm not under deadlines or pressure like I am for the supplements for Brutality, so that's that's a lot of fun. I just do them whenever I feel like it, when the uh, the idea hits me and I enjoy it. So that's what I've been doing, sending them to my test readers. And also, I just came back from watching uh, Spider-Man Far From Home or No Way Home. No Way Home, not Far From Home. No Way Home. It's the year 2021. No Way Home. And uh, I'm just going to come out and say it right now. Every single person in the movie dies. It's It's... It's like Endgame, but 10 times worse. So I just wanted to let you know that. Um, I did say spoilers right before I told you that just every single character dies. Uh, the only one left is uh, Happy, the guy that was the assistant for Stark. He's the only single character alive. MJ dies, and uh, Ned dies, and all three Park Peter Parkers die. All of the villains die. It is, it is rough. It is really rough. Um, if you can't tell, I'm just joking with you. I'm not going to give any spoilers, but it was, a, you know, I truly enjoyed that movie and I enjoyed it because of nostalgia, which my ch children couldn't really share with me because they haven't seen the old movies, but they, uh, the nostalgia was strong and they did a very good job of it. I think, I think it's probably one of the best movies I've seen recently, although Ghostbusters was quite good too, but this is actually, if you ignore the nostalgia, this was just a better movie than Ghostbusters, which was still a good movie, but this was a better written movie. It's still got some issues here and there, you know, but it's, it's a really good movie. 
so we enjoyed it. And finally, me and my kids are going to be wrapping up our brutality campaign soon. We were going to do it tonight because uh, I have at least one of their characters at max level, and I think two of their characters, or maybe three are max level. And from a gameplay standpoint, me being the dungeon master, it gets kind of uh, boring because they're so good now. It's kind of like playing a campaign with level 20 people. It's like, okay, you got these rerolls and you got this and that, and you're so good. I can still kill them because I, I killed them last game. Only two of them were surviving uh, at that um, the end of that mission. So I can kill them. It's just very difficult. And also, we've been playing with these people, these characters, for almost six months now. And we've played games pretty much every other week, sometimes every week. And uh, just just want to start with new characters, start a new storyline, do something new. So that is what we were going to do tonight, but my daughter's busy, so we're going to do it hopefully Monday night. We'll see how that goes. Anyway, I know you don't truly care about that, so let's get on with the rest of the show. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. This is the Tesseract Mailbox, and a couple episodes ago, we mentioned the email from our friend and yours, Fergalicious Ferguson. He writes, Hey, pimp, you pretty girl. Since, <laughs> since the mailbox is empty, I thought I'd ask your opinion of the new Christmas box sets. As of right now, they haven't released the prices yet, so maybe wait for that. This is from November 19th. How would you rate them for new starters to the army versus someone with an existing collection? Personally, I think all the 40k ones are decent, except for the orcs one, which has a weird combination of units with little to no interaction. Wow, Fergie, you took the words right out of my mouth, but we'll get to that in a minute. It's also odd that the Death Guard has no HQ or characters, but I suppose the champion can be used as a cast lord with power fist? Keep up the good work, Fergie. Thank you, as always, Fergie. So, I know a lot of you probably have seen pr price breakdowns by now. Um, I could only find 40k price breakdowns, so I just wanted to very quickly tell you what kind of discount you're getting. The Space Marine Battle Force, the Interdiction Force, is a savings of $91. The Necron one is a savings of $109. The... Astra Militarum one is $92. Chaos Space Marines is a savings of $80. Ugh. The Tau one is a savings of $111. Not, not too shabby. Tyranids, they are a savings of $103. And overall, it's roughly like a 30% discount is basically what they all come down to. And uh, that's totally fine. I think that's a pretty good discount. A lot of your stores and stuff will be giving you a 20% discount off of that. So that really seems like that's a really good deal. And I'm assuming the Age of Sigmar ones are very similar in price. I am not going to go through and price every single one of them. I am too lazy for that. But I did want to um, speak about exactly what you asked about, which is like kind of convenient, right? You ask a question and then I decide to answer it. The Adeptus Sororitas one strikes me as very meh. It's only got one new unit in it. It comes with troops and an HQ and uh, two heavies. It's okay. I'm not super thrilled about it. Um, I think it goes without saying that basically all these boxes are a good addition to an existing army. So I'm going to only base this off the beginning of an army. And I give this a solid B. You've got some heavy. You've got some infantry. Eh, you've got some elite melee. It's okay. 
I would probably not start an army with this, or I would get two boxes, one or the other. But the addition of heavy-hitting stuff in the background, like the Emulator um, and the uh, Exorcist, those are good additions. As far as the Orc one, you admitted that there was not a whole lot of synergy between them. But, having said that, um, for the beginnings of an army, you're getting two troops, an elite, another elite, I think a big mech is an HQ, an HQ for big mech, the war killer death trike, whatever, that's an HQ, and a flyer. You know what? That's not a whole lot of artillery, that's no sort of, you know, battle wagon or anything like that, but for the core of a brand new army, it has no synergy, but for the basis of a new army, if you're jumping into orcs, this would not be a bad box to buy at all. As far as the Necrons, the Necrons have a bit of smattering of everything else. I think they've done a pretty good job with this. They've got basically three heavy weapons, which are the Doomstalkers and the Locust Heavy Destroyer. So you've got some serious anti-tank stuff in this list. It also comes with Flayed Ones and Ophidian Destroyers and Warriors and a Psychomancer and some Scarabs. But this one is very anti-vehicle, which I thought was an interesting choice for the Necrons. Overall, for the start of an army, <laughs> I mean, if you play a against a lot of vehicles, then yes, this is this is the army you want to start with, the box that you want to start with. Otherwise, it's it's just okay. I, I think it's an interesting choice to put so much anti-tank in there, but you also have got a smattering of melee, so it's a fairly well-rounded start to an army, even if it is a bit heavy on the uh, heavy weapons. The Primera Space Marine one, I find to be a bit meh, right? You've got a captain, you've got the Hailstrike Speeder, which I do like that model. I do like that vehicle. It's kind of a light vehicle. It's not quite a flyer, but it's um, it's pretty neat. It's got some damage output to it. A little more durable than, let's say, a um, Land Speeder. And you've got Blade Guard Veterans, you've got Assault Intercessors, Heavy Intercessors, Primaris Intercessors. This is just your foot slogging army. And for the basis of an army, you know what? It's not too bad. You've got two troops, an HQ, you've got some elite uh, melee, and you've got some m elite, this anti-elite infantry, I should say, um, the, with the heavy intercessors. So this is actually a fairly solid, it's not exciting, but it is a fairly solid box to have for Space Marines if you're getting into Space Marines. So I am not going to hate too much on that, to be honest with you. And of course, the last one that is currently sold out on their website is the Death Guard Battle Force, the Plague Fester Warband. And this one is just like the Necrons. It's a little curiously focused against anti-vehicle because the Plague Burst Crawler is, uh, has quite a bit of damage output and is more or less anti-vehicle or anti-monster or elite infantry sort of thing. And the Death Shroud Terminators are really no joke in melee. And the uh, Mephitic Blight Haulers are decidedly anti-vehicle. So you get some Plague Marines and some other stuff, a Plague Champion. But this also seems to be geared towards anti-vehicle, just like the Necrons, which I find very interesting. As far as the beginning of an army, uh, you're only getting seven Plague Marines. I don't know why they do that. I mean, I, I get the number thing, but I wonder if that's the way they are in the book. Like, they just start with seven and not ten. Not sure. I could ask just James. He's been kicking my butt with uh, Death Guard lately. 
But the Death Shroud Terminators are no joke in melee. I do understand that they are a significant threat in melee. But the Mephitic Blight Haulers, I think people overlook a lot of times. And they have, like, multi-meltas, and they're, they run in squads, and they've got a decent toughness, tough 7, 3-up save, they reduce damage, they give you minus 1 toughness within 6 inches, 12 inches, whatever. And um, this is, overall, this is a pretty serious start to an army. It's not, like, this is actually a really good supplement to an army, more than the actual beginnings, because you're only getting seven Plague Marines, and like he said, the Plague Champion, I don't believe, is an HQ, so I don't know what you're going to do with that if you're starting an army with no HQ, but, and the Icon Bearer, I believe, is an Elite, so... It's a pretty good set, actually. It's um, but it's once again very anti-vehicle, which I'm so. I'm way more interested in the boxes that actually have a theme to them versus like the foot slogging Space Marine ones, or even the grab bag that is the Orc one with just all the different units of different stuff. There's no real design for it. Um, the Space Marines are gonna seriously have a hard time with. Uh, vehicles. The Necrons and the Death Guards certainly are geared towards anti-vehicle. The Orcs really are just a grab bag of stuff that is just a very solid start to an army, but no specific direction. You know, it's kind of like, oh, all these things I could definitely use in an Orc army, but kind of, eh. And then finally, the Sisters are, I mean, with two vehicles, two Rhino chassis vehicles in this list... They are somewhat durable, and the Exorcist, I know, has some decent output, and the uh, Emulator is also a transport, I believe. Don't they transport five or six models, something like that? So, neither one of those are bad choices. I just find the the uh, troops to be kind of meh. So, as far as a, the best start for someone that's literally just starting the army, I would say... Believe it or not, the Orc one is just a solid start to the army. You've always got use for basically everything in that list. The worst one, or the most meh one, in my opinion, would probably have to be the Sisters, unfortunately. They don't have a specific design. Like, they're not anti-infantry, necessarily. They're not anti-vehicle, uh, necessarily. They're just kind of languishing here. And the Space Marines are a bit of that as well. The Space Marine ones are just foot sloggers. You got some melee. You got some shooting. You don't really have any real theme to it. But not having a real theme to it also does make it a fairly good investment if you're starting the army. With the number of troops that you're getting and you're getting uh, just a lot of infantry in general, all of those are pretty useful. Blade Guard Vets are solid. So ultimately... My vote for most useful would actually be the Orcs. And I don't see any other battle forces on here. I heard about the Tau battle force and all of that. That is not on their website anymore. Um, it's not even like sold out in the sold out section. So I don't know what happened to it. Maybe it's no longer offered. But that's basically uh, it's basically where we're at. So thanks for writing in, Fergie Ferg. I'm sorry it took so long to get to this. But it took me a while to find out they even released the prices for these things. And I'm not as fluent in the Age of Sigmar ones, so I'm not going to mention, you know, exactly what I think about those. Also, I couldn't find the price breakdowns for them. So, 
Sorry, I know most of you guys play 40k anyway, so that, that might be something we do in the future, but I'm kind of doubting it. Anyway, let's get to the next segment. Want that or want that not? This is the part of the show where we talk about wanting or wanting not something. I know that's not a sense, and I don't give a crap. Anyway, this week we're talking about the underhive market for Zone Mortalis. This is a terrain set, believe it or not, and by golly, I'm in love with it. There I said it. You already know the output of this. I just absolutely love it. The, uh, the ending of this, I mean, not the output. I'm stupid. But the point is, it's 50 bucks. It's a bunch of... Well, uh, Underhive Market stuff. Uh, I kind of figured you would have picked that up on the, the title here. But you know what? At first glance, it's like, wow, 50 bucks for all this? That's a pretty good deal. I'm I'm pretty impressed, GW. And then you actually look at what's included in it, and you're like, oh, well, it's a bunch of little things. I mean, it's still cool, but it's not a whole lot of plastic they're using here. You know, a lot of it's... Basically, it's framework stalls with coverings over them for different merchants and stuff like that. There's a sign. There's two signs, actually. There's two displays with guns on them, which I find to be really cute. They've got four of these old, whatever they were called. This is a throwback. I think it was a power cell in the third edition 40K starter with the crashed Aquila and the pilot... And you could actually pull these, like, canisters out of the Aquila. Well, they got four canisters here for sale. And they keep bringing these things up. And I love it every single time they do. Because it just is a throwback to something neat and little for, you know, the OG fans. It comes with four containers, like you could buy at Walmart. They're Rubbermaid things. They're pretty cool looking. Their lids come off, which I like. There's also four signs that um, they claim to say stems or rat or something like that. I don't know if that's printed on there like stamped on there that you have to make that's what it says or they just painted it on there they got six mugs which i find cool and two things that look like a milkshake but i don't think that's what it is i don't know what it is and then two piles of money i think it is and then two other things that look like a mechanical pig i'm painting the wrong picture with these but that's what they look like it's some sort of device i don't know it's not a pig some sort of device which is pretty neat looking and then Two things that look like coolers, essentially, like the big igloo coolers, and then two more things that don't appear to have their lids come off, but they're even bigger Rubbermaid totes. And that is what you get for this. Now, for the average Joe, this may not be super helpful, but I happen to know a certain Necron that has a YouTube channel that does skits, and he is always in use of more... I mean, in need for more props and things like that for the backgrounds to make the skits and sketches more realistic. And also, I happen to know maybe a different Necron, maybe the same Necron, that has a really fantastic skirmish war game that is a lot of this same aesthetic. Like the rundown scraps of leather on top of the the seller's stalls and the buckets and all this by golly i'm gonna buy two of these it's a hundred bucks i know it sounds silly but i could make a real marketplace out of this and i think that would be really cool i it comes with two big stalls and two small stalls so i'd have four big stalls and four small stalls and i'd have all the containers i could ever want i could leave some of the lids off i could glue some of the lids on these display cases with the weapons in them really tickle me i really like that and um 
I mean, honestly, if you're looking for some really cool objective stuff, right, you just want to make objectives and you don't want to use coins or tokens or whatever, and you just want to have some narrative reasons why you're fighting, right? Or if you happen to play Brutality and you need scavenge markers and you want to make really cool looking loot markers, well, this is the set for 50 bucks that is basically all of your dreams coming true because it's got a multitude of containers and mugs and possibly milkshakes, maybe mechanical pigs, all sorts of stuff that could be objectives for your games, whether it's 40k or otherwise. And I think that is fantastic. So $50, yes, is a bit much for this, but there is a lot in this set, as small as it may be, and I'm probably going to end up buying two, just so that I can make a marketplace and fight in a real marketplace for brutality. That would be pretty cool. So it is definitely a want that for me. Um, I'm just such a sucker for little details and little, you know, unique objective stuff. And it comes with mugs for crying out loud. Come on. And maybe milkshakes. I'm not sure. Boy, I'd like to get a... Let me let me see if I can get a uh, close-up on what these milkshakes are. Um, uh, the, my problem is if I buy these, it might bring all the boys to the yard. I don't know... Uh, man, they don't have a close-up of these. Let me see if it's in the description, because I'm, I'm really interested. If, oh, 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 okay. Two large market stalls, two small market stalls, two horologium. Uh, could that be it? The, the milkshakes? There's two of them. So, maybe. Let's keep going. Two gun racks. Well, that's not it. Two large storage caskets. No. Two power units. Four plasma flasks. That's what those are called. Plasma flasks. Interesting. Um, two lockboxes, two buckets, two mung vases. Oh my god. Do you know what mung is? <laughs> oh my god. I don't know if they know what mung is. Oh my god, this is like I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna have to Google this right now to know if this is like something that was made up or Okay, so apparently Mung is a small green bean. Okay. What does Mung mean in slang? Okay, it's uh, something along the lines. Something disgusting or offensive, especially filth or muck is Mung in the Urban Dictionary. Um, oh, 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 here it is. Okay, if you guys have kids present, you probably want to, like, not have them hear this. But this is what the Urban Dictionary... Oh, my God. You know what? I don't know if I can read this. <laughs> oh, God, okay. So, Mung, the one thing... And we're digging into the Urban Dictionary, so just put on a hazmat suit or something, okay? Um, let me see. Yeah, kinda. Um, okay. Hold on. Bear with me. Boom! There you go. The literal vaginal secretions from a dead woman boom 
that's exactly what it is. So, <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> so, so Games Workshop is selling vases full of mom. <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, my God. GW, what have you done? Oh, this this pleases the Pemcron so much. Let it go on record that Games Workshop is literally selling vases of the secretions from a dead woman's vagina. Just, just let that, let the record be set that they said it in their own words. Sure, Mung is also apparently a bean, but I definitely am sticking with the vaginal secretions one. I d that is what it is for me. And I will treat it as such when I play with these models. Wow, this was probably my favorite ever revelation on the want that or want that not. So this just makes me want it even more. By golly, I'm going to have four vases of Mung for my miniatures to sell. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pimpcron. Hey, it's Real Talk with the Pimpcron, and I wanted to discuss something that apparently a lot of people have problems with that I never had too much of an issue with for multiple reasons. Um, I wanted to discuss exactly how you can even the playing field when you are... How do we say this nicely? A bad gamer. <laughs> How do you... I see posts online all the time about people, and you feel for them. Because not everybody's a strategist. Not everybody's a tactician. And they are like... I've seen many of them where they're like, Hey, um, all I do is lose. So how do I not lose? Well, unfortunately, there's no clear-cut answer for this, save for one thing. The reason why people are better than you at the game is because they make better choices than you whether it's in your list building or it's in your tactics or your terrain layout or anything like that it could just be general knowledge of the game so the way that you counteract this is the the key to this i've learned is number one it obviously helps if you're not playing in a competitive setting like i think that goes without saying if you have a fun and friendly gaming group that all basically have the same goal as far as, hey, let's have fun, let's not crush each other, let's just, you know, try out different stuff and have fun with it and build a narrative, narrative play is the way around this. And with narrative play comes changing the format of the game. So you may not be as knowledgeable as some of your friends, and you may not be as good at tactics as some of your friends, but you can even the playing field by playing narrative games that change up the format. What do I mean by that? Well, specifically, changing up deployment zones, things that they've not, they're have not they not used to. Um, another thing would be you number all of the slots, HQ, Troop, Elite, Fast, Heavy, maybe even Super Heavy. Um, I would specifically ignore Super Heavies, but what you do is each player rolls a D6, and whichever slot comes up, their opponent cannot take that slot. So if you were to roll a 1, your opponent can't bring any HQs. If you roll a 5, they can't bring any heavies. If you roll a 6, it's your choice. 
but the rest of their list can be made up of all of the other slots. And you'll just have to figure out the detachment situation. Um, because, you know, you'll, you can figure out your detachments based off your points and all that. But that is a very easy way to cut out all of the cheese and cut out all of the pre, pre-game research that they may be able to do that you can't necessarily do. You may not be skilled enough. You may not have enough personal time. Some people just read over books over and over and over, and they read all of the FAQs and the errata and the tactica and the stay up on the tournament lists and all of that. And the best way to kneecap them and level the playing field is to throw them off kilter. Most of these people, most, not all, but most of the really good or really competitive players out there rely on pre-made lists that they researched and they investigated and they playtested and they thought about at work and they did this and they did that and all of that. Well, if they have the perfect list set up and all of a sudden you roll and go, oh, you can't take troops. Well, guess what? That's going to take out some of their pre-game strategy. And now on the fly, right now, you're both at the gaming table and got to make up a list. All of a sudden right now, they're like, oh, crap. Okay, uh, what do I do? And they don't have a million years to either research it online to find out the optimum build. Or they don't have a million years to um, play it through in your, their head or whatever. And they got to come up with the scenario now. Now, deploy- deployment zones is another thing that is really, really helpful. Because people are very... Um, rigid-minded, and I even fall into this myself, where we have played narrative games before where we changed up the deployment. And you are so used to Dawn of War, which is the 12 inches on each long side, or, or whatever you're used to. You're used to certain deployment zones. And when all of a sudden that gets completely thrown out the window, you go, oh my gosh, you know what? I made mistakes because I was thinking in the old way, not in the new way. Well... Um, that is the same way with these people that are better than you or more skilled than you. That's the same thing because a lot of them rely on that pre-game thinking. And now if you're going to do like, um, what was it? The altar of war cards or whatever it was called. I forget what it was called, but you could do a random objective and a random deployment and a random twist and all of that. Um, that really does set them off kilter. And then you hopefully... Because if you're a crap player, you're you're not going to do very well regardless. So y- you may not be very good or very flexible um, when it comes to things changing at the last minute. But you're probably vaguely the same in flexibility as your opponent that has had tons of time to think about stuff. And maybe, you know, he normally brings the same list every week because he knows it's good or he's following the meta or whatever. And making a random... A force org slot, a suddenly untakeable is a big deal, and then give him a different deployment and make that a big deal. Now, as far as missions, you could choose missions and just change up the deployment zones, or you could uh, do something else. Although the missions actually stick with a pretty routine deployment, so it might be corners, it might be quarters, it might be dawn of war, it might be long ways, it might be several different things, but they're kind of all normal. And what you probably want to do is, for instance, make one opponent opponent's deployment zone the entire long-wise strip, one foot wide, all the way down the board. And the other opponent gets like a six-inch deployment zone on the two long board edges. You can deploy wherever you want, but guess what? They're going to get thrown off real quick because they're like, oh my god, I don't know how... I've never played like this, I've never... whatever. 
And that is how you level the playing field against someone that's better than you. Now, when you're talking about a truly good player, which I've met many of them, they are adaptable and they don't rely on pre-game listing and they don't rely on knowing exactly what's going on at the time. So it's not a perfect fit for everybody, but that's how it goes. Now, another thing you can do instead of that is that if there's a certain unit that your people take and, you know, like your, your opponent takes, what you do is you both make lists and then you both pick one unit that they have to take out of their list and put something else in their place, but they can't take that unit. So you're worried about a whole gaggle of Carnifexes? Yeah, take it out and make them put something else in. They're totally worried about your Nemesis Dread Knight spam? Guess what? Now you can't take Nemesis Dread Knights, take them out, put something else in. Now, obviously, a lot of this um, is, once again, predicated on people's inflexibility and having to change at the last moment, but that really is the most universal way to do that, and hopefully you will have more fun games. Now, something else you're going to want to do is... Like, we don't have too much of the problem with that at my gaming group because we're all pretty casual for the most part. There's a few people that aren't, but even them, we kind of browbeat into being a little more casual than they normally would be because we just want to have fun, chill out, roll dice, hang out with friends is all we want to do. Maybe grab a hiney once in a while, you know, a little, little grab ass. You, you, you know how it goes. You know, a bunch of guys getting around, like, you just smack each other on the butt. You know, it's just, just, you know, like, like a wet towel, just whip them right on the butt and they all laugh because, you know... <laughs> Yeah, it's not weird. It's just, you know, just a bunch of guys get together and sometimes you wrestle and sometimes you play shirts and skins basketball together and sometimes you, you know, you just, you snuggle just for, I mean, just for like not more than 10 minutes of snuggling, just a little bit of snuggling to really solidify the bond between you and your opponent or they're just bros, you know? Um, so anyway, you know how it goes. And, um, the more relaxed and open to change your group is, the much more fun you're going to have because it's less about winning and it's more about having fun and telling a story. So any of the narrative things that you might want to do, such as name your HQ or give a you know a narrative reason behind your army or a narrative reason why you're fighting or something I like to do with my narratives and actually a lot of my fun games as well, is just forget about points altogether or forget about primary objectives. Just do secondary objectives or anything that's going to change up the, the routine is going to help you because you're probably no better or worse at adapting than they are. And that is how you level the playing field. Obviously, there's other things you could do. You could read the Tactica. You could, you know, look at the tournament list. You can do all of that stuff. But what you're basically doing is you are meeting them on their grounds and their grounds they're already very good at. So good luck at getting better than them at their own game. What you need to do is change the parameters of the game so that neither one of you are used to it or pre-thinking it and then you're going to have a much more fun time. And, you know, they might be resistant to it because the people that like to plan ahead of time are usually very resistant to change. But if you do it enough times, you know, the first time they're going to be like, oh, whatever. The second time they're like, okay, well, I guess so. And the third time they're like, oh, sure. And they slowly warm up to it. And we've been able to convert many a competitive gamer in our group to a much softer, more fun to play against player. 
they don't pick the best units. They t- they pick the prettiest units. You know, they pick the units they like or the first units they ever painted or whatever. And all of those are perfect reasons to take a unit other than just going to bash in the face. Um, one thing I touched on I didn't explain fully is that if you don't play with victory points, a good thing to do is give each objective a buff for your army. Such as, you know, a feel no pain to the unit that carries it. Or allows you maybe some um, extra command points if you hold it. Or that sort of thing. Being able to use a stratagem twice in one turn if you hold a certain objective. There's a million things you can do that just slightly tweak the rules that make the objectives worth fighting for versus just, oh, I'm scoring points and that's all I care about. It really humanizes the whole game, I think. And that is the Pimpcron's two cents on... Not necessarily getting good, but leveling the playing field. Anyway, thank you to GameMat.eu for supporting the show. Thank you to my beautiful, sexy, good-smelling, totally effable Patreon patrons. And I will see you next week.